and welcome back to The Space Between, one of the top astronomy podcasts in the universe. It's been a fat minute since we've been recording. Uh, The semester got started (laughs) for school. Life kind of got in the way. But Dawson and I are committed to getting back to creating regular content for you about all things astronomy. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, Dawson started graduate school here at Kansas State, so that was kind of fun. We're now officially, if we weren't already, we're officially colleagues. Yeah, yeah. we are master student at Kansas State University, which yeah. is exciting. Get You're, to teach public speaking and be involved in a variety of ways with You're going to end students. up being here longer than I will, which is saying something <laughs> absurd because I, I'll have been at Kansas State for seven years. You're going to end up being here for eight. So... Man. Making me feel old. Yeah. Well, you are old. Hey, time is relative. So time is relative. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag physics time is relative. Um, so I wanted to give you guys a little update. We're still doing excellently in the charts, thanks to your support of our show. And in the Apple Podcast charts, we're currently number 141 in the US in astronomy, number 112 in Australia in astronomy, number 86 in Poland in science, number 55 in Belgium in astronomy, and number four in in Poland, in astronomy. Let's go Poland! So all of our friends in Poland appreciate you tuning in <laughs> to The Space Between. Um, we've been streamed in 62 different countries. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's just pretty wild. Uh, that's really the awesome part about podcasting, because we can sit here in Kansas, in the U.S., and have a far-reaching podcast like we do, and it wouldn't be possible without you, mm-hmm. our listeners. Um, we do need two things from you, though. Firstly, please give us five stars on whatever platform that you're listening to us on, because uh, that greatly helps push us up the charts into people's suggested podcasts. And then secondly, of our current 1,339 streams so far, we are all over the Apple podcast charts, and this should blow your mind if you like statistics. Only 13.3% of our listener base listens on Apple podcast. Wow. So that 13% of you are driving us all the way through Apple Podcasts. We've been all over the charts for almost six months now, and it's because of all of our friends on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but 81.7% comes from Spotify. We are not ranked in Spotify because Spotify has kind of trash ranking methods, um, <laughs> it, which is awesome. I mean, we're, being on Spotify is great, mm-hmm. but if you're able to make those numbers closer to 50-50, that will definitely help us climb even higher in the Apple Podcast charts. So if you're listening on an iPhone, stop what you're doing. Go over to Apple Podcasts and start listening there. (laughs) Thanks again, guys. This is such a fantastic thing that we couldn't appreciate more. Mm-hmm. Um, we also wanted to say that we want to hear from you. We got an email recently from Andrew F. And he said, hey, man, just wanted to reach out and say, I really enjoyed listening to all of your Space Between podcast episodes. Space can be difficult to listen about sometimes because people can be very dry with it, especially when physics topics come into play. Mm-hmm. But the back and forth between you two is great and it keeps it engaging. Hope you guys keep making more episodes in the future. I'll be looking out for them. Yes. Andrew. So, hey, we really appreciate that, Andrew. Shout Shout out to you. If you want to connect with us, you can shoot us an email at spacebetweenpod at outlook.com or you can follow and message us at Instagram, at Instagram, on Instagram, (laughs) at spacebetweenpod. No spaces in between any of that. It's just one continuous word, space between pod. Um, And then lastly, we wanted to share an exciting update for the show. We are now officially affiliates of High Point Scientific. 
High Point Scientific is one of the top outfitters of astronomical gear, whether you're an amateur astrophotographer like me or a hardcore enthusiast who makes a living off of studying the stars, High Point Scientific has the gear you need. With everything from cooled astrophotography cameras, telescopes, equatorial mounts, and more, High Point Scientific is one of my favorite places to buy the equipment that I need. Visiting the link in our description for your purchases will provide us with a small commission, which not only helps Dawson and I continue to make technical improvements for the show, it helps us make technical improvements to our astrophotography as well. We appreciate your patronage. Um, and of note, I mean, the very cover of our podcast was a photo taken by me. You. That's my astrophotography. What so, is it? And, I, and I love using High Point Scientific for all of the astrophotography needs that I have. Mm -hmm. so, what is the image of again? It's of the Lagoon and Trifid Nebula, oh. or Nebulae. Um, and they, uh, they exist cool. together. Um, in a very specific area of the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we're midway through September. They're starting to go away now. The Milky Way is starting to kind of subside back into subside, uh, subsist, Subsist. succeed. I don't know. I, I think I put a bunch of different words together there and I didn't mean to. Um, but it's slowly dipping back down towards the horizon. But then my good friend Orion is going to be coming out. And I'm going to be spending a lot of times imaging Orion's belt, especially now because last, okay, heads up, last winter... It is dummy cold in mm. Kansas. Mm. Dummy cold. Myself and our and our colleague Nick Homburg mm -hmm. were often outside in like four degree temperatures trying to take pictures of the sky. It's no joke. Um, but what is no joke now is that I have all the equipment that I need to make that happen because of High Point Scientific. I was able to buy the very uh, cool, it's a very cool piece of equipment, the the tracker across the sky it's an automated equatorial mount you could call it um and you just put your camera on you align it. it's called polar alignment with the north star the north pole hmm. and um then you can set your camera up press picture and it'll just start taking pictures and it'll track across the sky so what that means for me when it gets really cold now is that i can set it up turn it on go sit in the car <laughs> i could nice. go take a nap in the car for two <laughs> hours get up change batteries, SD cards, get back in the car, keep on working. So That's incredible. pretty cool, pretty cool. And I bought that through High Point Scientific. So, all right, now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, Nancy. we're back with content for you that is very specific to current events. Uh, we were doing a little bit of a space news segment for a while when we turned this into a live radio show. It's no longer a live radio show. Dawson and I kind of just ran out of time because our schedules are pretty whack. But um, the podcast is something that we can continue forward. But we're going to keep on with some of that space news mm -hmm. that we've been doing. And of interest is this new revelation that seems to be coming out of Mexico. And... <laughs> I feel kind of weird talking about this because we've we've talked about some pretty heady scientific phenomena mm -hmm. on this show. Everything from quasars and blazars and pulsars and black, black holes, holes and, and time dilation and all this other stuff. Yeah. And we're not physicists by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> we're uh, scientists in mass communications. Communication major. Uh, Dawson's <laughs> an aerial drone expert. I'm a professional opera singer. <laughs> like, we don't know a lot about <laughs> physics, but uh, we love talking about it. Mm -hmm. And something that I just think is weird is that we are coming to a place where we either need to recognize the so-called study of like ufology and ufologists are they actually conducting scientific work are they not 
It's a, this is kind of a buzzwordy topic, you know. Yeah. And as someone who's not in the science community, I feel like I have a different perspective on this, which is why I feel okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because scientists, pretty universally, are like, mm, no, that's not real science. And I totally understand why. I totally understand why. But at the same time, excuse me, NASA is trying to expand on that and say, you know, maybe the way that they've been conducting their ufology research is very flawed and not scientifically based, but there is a scientific way that we can go about this. Mm-hmm. And we've been making fun of this community for a long time. And maybe mm-hmm. we shouldn't be making as much fun of them since NASA just started this whole thing, uh, investigation regarding UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're, we don't call it UFO anymore. Like, is that, was it like politically incorrect or something? Well, like I, I mean, I don't understand. when you hear UFO, you immediately it, it's oh, attached take like tin to foil hats. And, exactly. Oh, the okay. Stigma, the stigma is there with oh UFO. I saw a UFO. Oh, I got you. You know, and okay. so if you say a UAP, an unidentified aerial phenomenon, then maybe you know it can be a little bit more of a scientific discussion. And the the thing that you're referencing is the 33 page report that an independent team commissioned by NASA um, released and was cautioning that the negative perception surrounding UFOs poses an obstacle to collecting data. And so that's why there are such troubles right now with you know the communication around UFOs and trying to find evidence of actual you know extra, extraterrestrial life. Yeah. Well, and I mean... I think what has really started to change this in the public eye is when all the experts came out onto the floor of Congress (laughs) and gave that pretty, I mean, I think we'll probably look back at that and and recognize it as a significant moment in scientific history, Mm -hmm. dare I say, because it was just, they they boldly went out and started talking about something that most people would affiliate with tinfoil hats and, you know, pseudoscience and this kind of stigmatized stuff. And I mean, rightfully so, because you, you know, you've got like the Alex Joneses of the world <laughs> out there talking about crazy stuff. You've got, uh, conspiracy theorists and UFOs and UAPs and all the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to invalidate anybody because I think that there are experiences that people have that are unexplained. Mm-hmm. I've had experiences that I cannot explain. They have, they don't come from uh, a UAP area. It comes from more of a paranormal area, right? Right. Um, and I think everybody experiences something like that. But we're we're trying to find a scientific answer for something that we haven't been able to scientifically explain. Which that's science, right? Mm. We're trying to find answers for something that we can't explain. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people thought that Oppenheimer was insane when he started talking about the quantum realm. Right. If you if you watch the movie Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. like he gets kind of like laughed at at the beginning of the movie when he starts talking about like quantum physics, um, and I again I'm no physicist or do, do I understand the history of physics or anything like that. But he was one of the leading people, as I understand it, to come out and start talking about that kind of stuff. And now it's scientific like practice. Like people are trying to figure out how to make quantum computers. You know, like how mm. can we compute at the quantum level? to enhance our speed in the way that we understand stuff and create artificial intelligence. I mean, all of the sci-fi stuff that people were talking about in the 1950s is now actually starting to come to fruition in our <laughs> okay. lifetime. And that was tinfoil hat kind of stuff all right. back in the day. All right. Are you kidding me? So now we look at UAPs and we're like, oh, 
pseudoscience. Well, something happened. Yeah. We can't explain what it was, but that science is trying to explain the unexplainable. Do you have that same impression or am I kind of out here in left field? Yeah, no, no, I understand. It's just things are shifting because of the people who are speaking on these topics are more credible now. The There's the former Air Force intelligence officer who testified in front of Congress. His name is uh, Major David Grush, which I don't know if I said his last name right or wrong, but he, it was a highly anticipated testimony before a House Oversight Subcommittee. And this was at the end of July, where he was basically testifying how unidentified aerial phenomena, which the official term the U.S. government uses now instead of UFOs, um, is something that needs to be taken more seriously because there are unidentified flying objects that numerous people have seen who are in the Navy, who are in the Air Force, and who have been held back from talking about these things because they don't want to be seen as tinfoil heads, you know, tinfoil hats, and and a part of the whole conspiracy of of what UFO, uh, you know, like, I guess, what conspiracies are. So the the Pentagon has denied his claims, obviously. You know, they're, they're going to probably have their foot down on this to make sure that th- there's no classified national programs or national issue. security issues. Yeah. And so... Um, Grushk was, he, he said he was asked in 2019 by the head of a government task force on UAPs to identify all highly classified programs relating to the task force's mission. And at the time, Grush was detailed to the National Reconnaissance Office that the agency operates U.S. spy satellites. And so he, he testified about all this in front of Congress. And you can go back and watch it. It's all recorded. But this is just from an AP article um, that's called Whistleblower Tells Congress the U.S. is Concealing Multi-Decade Program that Captures UFOs. And really, it's, it's, it's some damning testimony on the non-human activity that's been apparently happening and the Pentagon has been covering up. And so... It is kind of tinfoily if you if you try to just generalize it, but if you really dive into the intricacies of what the programs are, what the classified things that he's discussing that he can't share with are, then maybe you know the claims are trying to be covered up for some reason. But it it's uh, it's a tough balance between like you just got to trust his word at this point because we don't see the exact evidence. You know, we don't see the. The aliens, you know, brought out their their corpses. Well, I guess you do in Mexico, but um, <laughs> you don't see that in the Congress yet for for the United States. But in which I kind of want to maybe this is a segue into the whole Mexican lawmakers hearing testimony about. Right. The, and I, and I want to talk about that, but there's some points that I want to to discuss about yeah, what let's you break made down earlier. With David Grushkin, his his testimony as yeah a retired Air Force. You know, major. I feel like he's very credible. Sure. So, in our classes that we take here at Kansas State for our Masters of Science in Mass Communications, mm. we're often one of the key things I took away last semester from a really important class that I took was that context is everything. Mm. Establishing context is the key to understanding anything that you want, whether it's music, whether it's life, whether it's science. I mean, scientists can't understand certain things unless they contextualize it. Their contextualization is through mathematics and through observation of the physical universe. Our contextualization as uh, media individuals, personalities, uh, multimedia journalists mm-hmm. is through narrative research. It's through stories. It's from interviewing people. Like there's, there's different ways of contextualizing your information, but context is everything. And something that from our perspective, from our context as 
so-called journalists. You're more of a, you're way more of a journalist than I am. Like you, <laughs> you're an actual multimedia. You're an actual <laughs> multimedia journalist. I'm just a dude that's on the radio, and 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 is like an entire opinion piece. I'm a walking opinion piece. Right. You're a multimedia journalist. Um, but Thank there you. is, I think, there is a time that we have reached where we really, really need investigative, true multimedia journalists looking into this and not tinfoil hat guys and not conspiracy theorists, right? It's not one talking head mm. that has a, a microphone that can disperse all of the information. Mm -hmm. It's guys like um, Brendan Keefe. It's guys like you. It's guys like me all over the world that need to be able to investigate this kind of stuff mm -hmm. at a rational level. And it becomes difficult because... We're not scientists, right? We don't understand per se the actual science behind the stuff that we're right. trying to contextualize. But now more than ever, this this says to me we're reaching an area where, in my personal opinion, journalists are going to become super important to the scientific community because they help to contextualize information that scientists might not otherwise be able to um promote very well am i am i saying that right does yeah. that make sense to you no and it makes total sense and it's it's reflected in things like like news nation had an article from an investigative journalist named ross colthard and uh he said that the nasa uap report that we were talking about earlier and was released this last thursday is a positive and and represents culture change within the uap uap community and uh you know what we've seen over the last 50 to 60 years in america is very much a dismissive attitude towards you know UFOs and oh, UAPs, sure. um, at least for the majority of people. And it's been suggested that you know we we can only explain so much, which we're currently at a crossroads at right now. We're currently crossing over into this bound of we have technology that is able to help verify and see these types of things a little bit clearer and maybe track them and then and then. I don't know when it gets to the whole actually like getting physical hard evidence. That's where that's where we're kind of stuck right now. Right, it's like we haven't seen the, the the actual physical evidence that some of these people are alleging that the government is is coming up with um, or is covering up. And so the NASA team found no evidence though that UAPs have an extraterrestrial origin right now, but the administrator spoke Thursday on their future efforts to investigate UAPs, noting one goal is to remove the stigma of reporting unexplained phenomena. So if we can help remove that stigma and help better communicate about it, then, you know, at least we're doing our job, right? Yeah, and because clearly at the end of the day, if, if our listeners and us don't agree on this, at the end of the day, the key is we need to be able to study this kind of stuff scientifically because for years it has not been studied scientifically. Now we need a scientific team to go and study that without that destroying their reputation because they're studying it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I feel like, I feel like so many people actually have ideas, actually have things that they want to discuss regarding UAPs and all of this unexplained phenomena but they don't want to even dive into it because it's professional suicide, right? Because the minute that you touch it, <laughs> tinfoil hat, you know, you're insane. Right, right. And hilariously, and there's a point I want to make about this from an article that I'm reading, which we can segue into what's happening over in Mexico because um, <laughs> that was pretty whack. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and, it, and that what happened in Mexico doesn't help the people that are trying to scientifically study this, right? It, mm -hmm. it doesn't help. But I, the point that I would like to make is that 
there's a fine line that you walk between being a scientist and a conspiracy theorist when you start reaching for these kind of topics. And the issue comes from what is a conspiracy theory? A conspiracy theory is something that has just enough evidence to give it legs, mm. but not enough that you can actually validate what it is. And so there's just enough evidence that there are things happening that we can't explain, but there's not enough evidence, at least that we know of, right. that can help validate what we're actually seeing, which is why it has become rife with conspiracies <laughs> and with and with people who are prolonging conspiracy theories, which really kind of sucks. Yeah, but are there things that are <laughs> happening that we can't explain? Totally. Absolutely. I mean, 100%. And it's hilarious because the NASA... The guy who runs NASA came out mm -hmm. himself and said, we need to start studying this kind of stuff right? because ultimately it is my personal opinion. I don't have the direct quote in front Bill of me, Nelson. but, but he, Bill Nelson essentially said, it is of my personal opinion that we are not alone in the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so vast. It's so vast. All he did was affirm the Fermi paradox, yeah. right? Like all, that's all he did. And everybody was like, oh, head of NASA, bow down. It's all good, you know? Like, but but you know, if other people have talked, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, but that it's, 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 it comes paradox. from the same place, right? This, this search for whatever we're looking for comes from the scientific desire to know are we alone in the universe? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most like primal... I think scientific astronomical questions that every scientist has to grapple with. It's my personal opinion as Colby Van Camp that we are not alone in the universe. I, th I just think it's too in, in the movie contact. Have you watched it yet? Oh, I haven't. I need you, to. Uh, Dawson, we need to, right. we need to just movie night it. We, we just, we just need to movie night it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in the con, in the movie contact, the, the main character Ellie says, if there was nobody out there, it seems like an awful waste of space, right? <laughs> and it's kind of like a fun little play on words, but at the same it's time, it, it, it rings true, right? There was a fascinating video done by the, uh, the first person that we had on the show, um, Professor David Kipping uh, from the Cool Worlds Lab, where he sat down and he used Bayesian statistics to study what is the likelihood, based off of the Fermi paradox, that we are either alone, that there is that we are alone in the universe or that there is life in the universe versus there is a lot of life in the universe that is unintelligent mm. or there is a lot of life in the universe that is intelligent. I'm not explaining this very well. It was a super heady video that I watched, but just check out the Cool Worlds Lab on YouTube. I Whenever I have a scientific question, I usually revert over to them because yeah. they've probably done a video on it. But that's something that David Kipping is studying he wants to know if there are other entities out there, mm -hmm. if there are other beings out there. Yeah, and he's like, he works he works at mm -hmm. um shoot, it's not NYU. Um Columbia. He works at Columbia University. University. Yeah, like he's like the head of the lab for astronomy at wow. Columbia University. Big name guy in the science community, mm. and he's asking those questions. So I just it there's there's a cognitive dissonance to me as a as a journalist that says, Okay, we want to talk about UAPs only when we can dunk on people who talk about UAPs. <laughs> but then scientists actually want to study UAPs. So as a journalist, it doesn't help that dunking on people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who want to talk about UAPs then translates over to people that are studying UAPs. But the people that talk about UAPs who aren't studying UAPs 
are probably just full of crap. <laughs> you know, like I just, I don't know. It's such a nuanced a issue. It's a tough it's line a to balance. Issue. You know, you got You got to like make sure you're fact checking and, che- and verifying sources, but at the same time, like being able to explore the unknown. It's a it's a weird line to toe, and and ultimately, like, I mean, you kind of shared your opinion on what it what you think you know is out there, and I I I am of the same belief that if we are alone and there's no life out there. How sad, you know, I I feel like there should be, there should be just teeming life out there that we just maybe aren't smart enough to communicate with yet. Maybe that's it. Or, or maybe they haven't developed to our, our type of intelligence yet. And so it's a fun little game you get to play in your head of like, which one would you rather think? Or would you rather just think we're the only life in this vast? But see, and that's science. That's, that's science. Like scientific people, big names in the scientific community are grappling with this question. Mm-hmm. But then when we get on the floor of Congress and talk about UAPs, conspiracy theorists. It's like, well, right. something was videotaped. Mm-hmm. And until you, the experts, explain it, what are we supposed to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what, what am I as an average member of the public who has... Um, a podcast about space supposed to take from this. Mm-hmm. What I take from that is nobody knows anything about anything at the moment. And that's kind of distressing. <laughs> or it just shows a disconnect in the agencies that you thought worked to get. Like I thought NASA, huh. the Pentagon, yeah. FBI, CIA, think. I thought they all, you know, IRS, I thought they all kind of like go in line. <laughs> the IRS <laughs> and I NASA. Know. I don't <laughs> I thought maybe they've oh, got, they're all under the they've government. They've got satellites that are spying on yeah. you. <laughs> Did like, you pay your taxes? Our yeah. satellite said no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I feel like I thought they all were working together and figuring this out and like maybe, but no, they all have their own departments and, and are kind of in conflict in some way over this whole UAP thing or some someone's hiding something maybe. And and But that's when you can get tinfoily hatty. So right. Like, but it's uh, also like... It's kind of my journalistic gut feeling that somebody is lying about this. You know, like, <laughs> what are they covering up? Right. Well, not necessarily what are they covering up. I mean, yeah, maybe I guess what are they covering up? But <laughs> that, that there's, 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 know, a, there's a vacuum know. of information where mm-hmm. there shouldn't be. And that seems suspect to Why me. Why doesn't NASA have full access to what the Pentagon knows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you'd think they'd work together in a way. I'm but. not sure either. Um, and also, so I said UAP was unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, it is two different types. There's so yeah, yeah. yeah. So it started as unidentified aerial phenomena, but um, it's now UAP is the new term for UFOs, encompassing not only unexplained things in the air, but also in space, underwater, and everywhere in between. how about that Uh, thank you very much space.com I appreciate you Brett Tingley for the unwitting nod to the The top astronomy podcast (laughs) in the universe coming up next we're going to be talking a little bit about Mexico and the fascinating presentation that was made by a known conspiracy theorist uh, on the floors of Congress of the Mexican Congress with his disturbingly Weird-looking alien mummies. So, uh, yeah, it's not the greatest look, but it's worth discussing. It's worth discussing because this goes into everything that we're talking about. Coming up next here on The Space Between, we appreciate you tuning in. Hi. 
My name is Ryan Gilbert. I'm a former sports broadcaster for Wildcat 91.9, K-State alum, and basketball recruiting editor for GoPowerCat.com. The last academic year was a historic one for the station as Wildcat 91.9 was named the best college radio station in the nation by the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System Awards, the first national championship in program history. However, despite all the awards and success, the budget for Wildcat 91.9 continues to be cut year by year. I'll be perfectly frank with you. Either Wildcat 91.9 finds new funding through charitable giving, or it will permanently go off the air. That's why I'm asking you today to consider making a tax-deductible contribution to the station so that the longest continuously running college FM radio station in the nation can continue to train the next generation of media stars. To make a contribution or discuss options for creating an endowment fund, please reach out to us at www.wildcat919.com donate. That's www.wildcat919.com donate. Thanks so much. Go Cats. And always remember that at Wildcat 919, you belong. Welcome back into the space between. Appreciate you tuning in to one of the top astronomy podcasts in the universe. And that is not a joke. It's not a joke. If you are somebody who's listening on Spotify on an iPhone, please just go over to Apple Podcast and pick up where you are left off because mm-hmm. that would be super helpful for us. Only 13% of our listener base comes from Apple Podcasts. Wow. And we're still blowing the lid off the charts on Apple Podcasts. Can you imagine, Dawson, where we would be on the charts if we went 50-50 between Spotify and Apple Podcasts? Oh, top 10 everywhere. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I kind of want to see what happens. I really want to see what happens, and we can't do it without you. So go ahead and just, if you're on an iPhone and you're using Apple's, or you, wait, you're using Spotify. <laughs> if you're using Spotify instead of Apple Music. Right, you're, exactly. If you're on an iPhone, you're using Spotify versus Apple Podcasts. Just go over to Apple Podcasts. Easy switch. Easy money. Um, Dawson, you have a word from our affiliates, do you not? That's right. High Point Scientific. High Point Scientific is your one-stop shop to getting the highest quality gear for your astronomy needs. Whether you're an amateur astrophotographer or a seasoned professional who studies the heavens, High Point Scientific has the perfect equipment for you. That's why Colby and I use High Point Scientific for all of our astronomical needs. Visiting the link in our description for your purchases will provide us with a small commission, which not only helps Colby and I continue to make technical improvements for the show, but it also helps with making technical improvements to our astrophotography as well. We appreciate you so much, and thank you, High Point Scientific, for all your support. Yes, indeed. Appreciate High Point Scientific and our listeners very much. So... Okay, we were talking in the break. Like, were we too tinfoil hatty? I don't know, because it we've we've talked about like actual scientific stuff, right? Through for the first collection of podcasts, we talked about theoretical stuff, but it's still based in like scientific theory. And then we get over to aliens, and people start losing their minds. But I think that this is a very relevant conversation mm. um, to do with astronomy. And are we talking about black holes in the universe right now? No, no, we're not. But we are talking about things that. I personally think should be studied with a more scientific lens so that we can better understand them. Because at the end of the day, that is the pursuit of science is to better understand what we don't understand. Right. And scientists are really handicapped at this moment from not being able to do that because of the stigma that comes with wanting to study this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, just there are so many incredible scientists over at SETI, right? The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And they're like a joke. Like the scientific community treats them weird because they're searching for extraterrestrial intelligence. I'm like, what a noble cause, you know, tough cause. It's a tough cause. It's a very tough cause. So I, I, I respect the people over at SETI. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I respect the scientists everywhere that are doing all of the work, but 
we now need to discuss everything that's happening over in Mexico because we were we made such great strides in terms of let's get real information, let's handle this in a scientific way, let's reduce the stigma, and then we get alien mummies on the floor <laughs> of the Mexican Congress, which is not a great look at all. And it came on the same day of it almost NASA. Feels planned, you know, like it almost feels of NASA's planned. report that they're releasing. So it was like, I doubt these two like communicated on the releasing of these things relating to yo know, UAPs or just aliens in general. But uh, it just kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth because you know people are gonna wrap them together thinking, oh yeah, they showed aliens on the floor of Mexican's Congress, but then also like they had a go- government report released in the U.S. Like that's tied together somehow, you know? Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. These no. are two separate occasions that just so happen to be on the same day. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> it's not. And when I said it seems planned, it seems planned on the side of our folks in Mexico Mm. to like try and piggyback off of actual science um, (laughs) to then say, Oh, well look, we, we, we're, we are released on the same day as NASA. Well, you're two vastly different entities. Mm. Um, This is an article from space.com alien mummies in Mexico. NASA's UFO team, uh, UFO study team says, don't bet on it. This is by Brett Tingley. It says, um, however, the release of NASA's first UFO report wasn't the only story about possible non-human life forms to make headlines this week. Unfortunately, this is not because a mothership landed on the White House lawn, but because NASA released a long-awaited report published by an independent study team. Um, the agency commissioned to study unidentified anomalous phenomena. UAP is a new term for UFOs, encompassing not only all the stuff that we talked about. And then, according to Reuters, lawmakers in Mexico heard testimony this week about the presence of alien life on Earth that included, quote, two corpses of extraterrestrials, end quote. These alleged alien corpses looked, quote, white and like stereotypical depictions of aliens. Big head, little body, three fingers, end quote. NPR reported the supposed alien mummies. Well, the creepy, whatever they were. <laughs> I just love that they put whatever they are in italics. Like, well, I don't know what those are. <laughs> the supposed alien mummies or the creepy, whatever they are, were displayed by uh, it's either Jamie Masson or Jamais Masson. Yeah, like, one of the two. I, Jamie Masson. Jamie Masson. It looks very French to me. So, mm-hmm. um, Masson, uh, a longtime UFO personality with a history of hoaxing alleged non human remains. Despite Masson's history of faking alien corpses and mummies, the story has now gone worldwide. So wide, in fact, that it was brought up during NASA's briefing about the new UAP report, which took place on September 14th, this past Thursday. During Thursday's briefing, BBC News digital journalist Cam Cabral asked whether or not NASA has been in touch with the Mexican authorities about, quote, the rather sensational revelations concerning the alleged alien mummies. In response, the chair of NASA's UAP study team, uh, David Spurgle, responded that if there is any evidence of alien remains, then those in possession of the material should make it publicly available for study. (laughs) Quote, when you have unusual things, you want to make the data public, Spurgle said. I think of this as like NASA has one of the most valuable samples from outer space, lunar rocks. What do we do? We make them available to any scientists who want to work on them. We don't know the nature of those samples that were shown in front of them, Spurgle added. If I was the Mexican government, I would make a recommendation to the Mexican government. That's not our charge here. We're doing this for NASA. My recommendation would be, if you have something strange, make samples available to the world scientific community and we'll see what's there. 
Dan Evans, Assistant Deputy Associate Administrator for Research at NASA's Science Mission Directorate, chimed in to add that the entire point of NASA's UAP study is to dispel the type of sensationalism and pseudoscience displayed for Mexican lawmakers this week. It's just... This guy, Jamie Masson, however you want to say it. Yeah, I have no idea. Who displayed these two tiny bodies in the cases. He claims that they were recovered in Peru. They're freaky looking things too. Yeah, right. They are kind of spooky and and totally play into the stereotypes and the stigmas of what aliens might look like. And he said that these remains were recovered in Peru near the ancient Nazca Lines in 2017. He said they were about 1,000 years old and analyzed through a carbon dating process by Mexico's National Autonomous University. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Autonomous University? Like, what is that? That's is what that I'm the, about is that, to look up. Is What's that Mexico's like, National Autonomous <laughs> University? Like the Grand Canyon University of Mexico? Like, what? <laughs> Apparently, it's a public research university in Mexico, and it is widely regarded as a top research university in Latin America. I don't know. I don't know. I, okay. I, I mean, I'll buy into it for right Give now. Give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. But if this this guy, Jamie, he just has these past accusations and assumptions about certain things and providing evidence that was then debunked in the past. Do I know of that evidence? No. And I don't know what he's presented in the past. It's just what we have read and seen in articles about him so who knows you know maybe maybe masus and mason is is trying to actually bring forward something that's that's true but in in reality if you look at some of the things that he was talking about he t- he's quoted saying i think there is a clear demonstration that we are dealing with non-human specimens that are not related to any other species in our world and that all possibilities are open for any scientific institution to investigate it we are not alone which I just think really plays into the tinfoily hat side of things when he's trying to you know, generalize it to the, the bigger idea and capturing the imaginations of people who want to want to think, you know, aliens are among us or we have bodies of these, you know, beings that we've been able to, to draw up somehow. And so I, I think when you look at this story, though, and you compare it to like the bigger idea of of the authenticity and the verification of certain um, certain aliens or, or artifacts and things, th- there hasn't been a wide analyzation of these two bodies. There has not been every single... Like, if we actually knew that these existed, why is it only this one person from Mexico who somehow discovered this and was able to bring it forward? Why wasn't this talked about more since 2017 when they were apparently discovered you know yeah i feel like there'd be more more like uh, press coverage and people trying to figure out what it is and and why you know mason is is facing backlash you know it makes sense that he's facing backlash and criticism from skeptics who question the authenticity of the presentation which as as one should, you know, I, I don't think we should just immediately accept that these are real just based off of, you know, one inspection that um, Mexico Autonomous University, uh, Mexico's National Autonomous University did and uh, is, is claiming, you know, that they're mummified beings that are actually real. Right. So, well, and so they're in the in the space dot com link that I was reading from just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. It actually hyperlinks where it says a history of hoaxing 
to a different article. So I clicked on it. It's from Wired.com, an article by science reporter Anna Lagos. And it says, it was like an alien unboxing, but they were just Nazca mummies from Peru. Toward the end of a public hearing in the green room of the Chamber of Deputies Congress of Mexico, Jamie Masson, ufologist, journalist, and host of the Mexican television program, uh, Teresa Milenio, announced a surprise. The well-known researchers had the audience attention at his historic uh, as his historic session focused on unidentified anomalous phenomena, better known as UFOs. Mm-hmm. Before the hearing began, Sergio Gutierrez Luna, the deputy of Moreno, Mexican's governing party, asked the participants to stand up and swear to tell the truth. Among the audience were Ryan Graves, a retired U.S. Navy pilot lieutenant who had earlier testified in the U.S. Congress regarding his experience with unidentified objects, and Abraham Avi Leb, an astrophysicist, director of the Harvard Astronomy Department, and leading proponent of a theory that an alien spaceship has already landed on Earth. Um, when it was Masson's turn to speak, he gave a signal to open up two tiny sarcophagi containing the bodies of two non-human beings. But these are not non-human beings. They are Nazca mummies, specifically tridactyl Nazca humanoid mummies, once presented as a great archaeological discovery, but since widely discredited by the international scientific community. And it's suspected that these mummies were manipulated to give them mm. a different appearance. And their authenticity had been rejected by important organizations such as the World Committee on Mummy Studies, which has described the discovery as a fraud, calling it an irresponsible organized campaign of misinformation. Um, it was quote, me, man. I quote, was buying into it. <laughs> with the experience that all the researchers who have worked with pre-Columbian mummies have, especially from the Nazca area, it is very clear to us that these mummies, the large ones, are pre-Columbian human beings that have been modified for commercial purposes, and the supposed small mummies are structures that have been put together. Physical anthropologist Guido Lombardi, who has studied mummies in Peru, told the newspaper El Comercio. Uh, Flavio Estrada, a forensic uh, archaeologist who analyzed the mummies from the Institute of Legal Medicine and Forensic Sciences of the Public Ministry in Peru, has said that the remains of the alleged aliens, quote, are creations made from animal and human bones held together with synthetic glue, which have, in turn, been covered in a fake skin. According to Masson, the desiccated bodies were found in Peru in 2017. Quote, they are non-human beings that are not a part of our terrestrial evolution, Masson said. Quote, according to uh, UNAM, the Autonomous University of Mexico, who performed the carbon-14 analysis, these beings are about a thousand years old. They were not recovered in ships that crashed, but they were buried in uh, diatomaceous earth, a fossilized algae that is 17 million years old and was abundant at the time. News networks exploded, mm. et cetera, et mm. cetera. But here's what, to me as a journalist, is damning. Um, first of all, like I didn't anticipate any of this to be real. Right. I, I mean, right. the the first part is like, what a crappy thing to do to go and like desiccate mummies to like try and force an issue that people are trying to study, and then you show up to make a power grab to get publicity. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, it's, I know why scientists are mad, right? And they should be. Like they totally should be. They have all. So. They have all of the justification to be mad. What makes me upset is that Ryan Graves is in the audience. The dude who we literally just referenced, who was on the floor of Congress, mm-hmm. testifying about UAPs. Oh, and no, then, no, no, David Gersh. 
Yeah. Oh, is that a different person? Wait, the UAP guy the, who's for the U.S.? Yeah, who was in Congress, who went and like testified in front of Congress. From the, yeah, because he was a former Air Force uh, major, that guy. David oh, Grush. okay. Well, it says among the audience were Ryan Graves, a retired U.S. Navy pilot mm-hmm. lieutenant well. who had earlier testified in the U.S. Congress mm-hmm. regarding his experiences with unidentified objects. Yeah, because there's three. There's three individuals who were testifying that were former, retired, you know, Navy. Yeah. Okay, and well, Air so Force. he's one of those guys. Okay. Which, which. If he's over here in Mexico, like, is he standing with this guy? Like, what, what, what is he doing? You right, know, right, right. Like, why is the he question, there? Like, why yeah. is he there, enveloped in a conspiracy theory when mm. he gave a fairly, I thought, convincing and scientific report on right. the floor of the American Congress? And then, I, I respect that Avi Leb was there because he gets a lot of flack, and he's someone that is trying to look at things from a different angle, and I respect that because I think. There are a lot of scientists right now that are very like conformed to one way of thinking about things. Mm-hmm. And I greatly respect people who think outside the box. Not that scientists don't think outside of the box. They're some of the brightest individuals in, on our planet, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think that because we're so caught up in like the truth of science that we step away from exploring all the options. So I respect that Avi Leb was there to explore all of the options, mm-hmm. what I need to see from Avi Lev is a statement that says, yeah, that was a hoax. Right. Because right. if he doesn't, that's damning. I'm like, eh, that that makes me kind of uh, right. feel weird about right. it. Right, and I was so like curious because of this whole like credible claim from the National Autonomous University of Mexico that I just went to the Wikipedia page of Jamie Masson and ended up going down to the bottom of the alien mummy uh, claims. And there is a uh, interview that Julieta Norma Fierro Gossman, um, best known as Julieta Fierro, is a Mexican astrophysicist and science communicator who works at the University of Na- National Autonomous University of Mexico. And she stated that the university never endorsed such claims and that Masson's data made no sense. <laughs> and oh. so. Yeah, there is someone who works at the university that is, I mean, this is on the Wikipedia page, but then again, they have the source linked to where she said this. And so it's able to kind of give a a fact check to the things that uh, Masson was trying to claim about the the realness of these of these skeletons, when in reality, under no circumstances do we draw conclusions about the origin of these samples and any information implying the involvement or any activity of carbon-14 dating is completely invalid. And so, yeah, Julieta Fierro, thank you for setting the record straight and, and doing an interview as someone who is part of, is a physics researcher at the National Autonomous University of Mexico. Because I was starting to think, Oh, maybe this university isn't legit. And so, how disgusting that J- Masus, Masoon, whatever, Masus, Masus, whatever, Masoon, yeah, how Jamie, like, he just wrapped this whole university into it by saying, yeah, they verified these claims. And maybe it was someone from the university who helped them in trying to pull this off. And, you know, because I don't know. That's, it's like, why wrap a university who is le- legitimate? And has people researching real things and, and trying to do science. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a fascinating discovery that 
is is not real and a conspiracy to try to sell people on a, a wild idea that there is real alien beings discovered when in reality i want to see this actually happen but just yeah. verify it in in a way that is able to prove it's credible yeah. and and it doesn't look like a science fiction you know form of I an mean, alien i mean it it looks like a paper mache like right alien you know it looks like something i could have made in my basement last week you know <laughs> <laughs> with with some paper mache and gray paint you mm-hmm. know it just it looks terrible um when i saw it first blowing up in my Twitter and Instagram yeah. or X, whatever we're calling X. it these days. I, I was like, oh, it's like, okay. yeah, sure. Uh huh. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I even sent it to you and I was like, uh huh. Well, yeah. <laughs> we both instantly were like, okay, sure. Let's dive into this a little bit. And I'm glad we did just to be able to understand what exactly the legitimate type claims were and then how they were debunked. And, and that's, that's why science communication is so important, you know, because we're able to dive in and figure out who are the people who were interviewed, who actually is part of it, and what are the what are the sources, yeah, that are able to prove otherwise that this is this is just a, a hoax, as some might say, to try and like ruse the public that aliens were have well, been I discovered. Mean, not some. And, I mean like everybody okay. should say it's a hoax. Right. But there are people who didn't <laughs> who, do who the research or yeah. who didn't do the research that saw the headline, that saw the mummies, and it's important to to listen to podcasts like The Space Between to get the facts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. An, uh, an idea of the general idea of the story, and we'll pull from sources. Well, because, I mean, like, you and I, you and I are journalists, and, and our pursuit is of truth, mm-hmm. right? Just like science. So the scientific pursuit is of truth, of accuracy. Um, and I guess, I guess maybe not. The scientific pursuit is of evidence, right. you know, where our scientific, the, our pursuit is of truth. Um, and the, that's clearly not the truth. And a simple Google search can confirm that that is not. Look at a few sources. Truth. Do yeah. a little bit of digging. Yeah. Do your own research, as some might say. I mean, know? yeah, but <laughs> but it's there's, true. There's, do your there's own a research. value to being able to do your own research if you're willing to study all of the uh, opinions out and there. the complexity of a topic. Yeah. yeah. This is a complex thing that we had to kind of Very break complex. down and, and understand. And uh, and separate also from you know NASA's report that yeah. was legitimate, just trying and to, which is a cool report, which is yeah great that NASA is acknowledging and trying to further discover and and I I bet we're not going to hear the last. That's not the last that we heard from from this thing. In fact, it's probably the beginning of this whole oh, entire totally. search of UAPs and trying to find more evidence. And well, we're I mean, going to be bringing it to you. NPR came out with an article um, yesterday. At 6.20 in the afternoon or in the evening, it says NASA should play a prominent role in the federal government's ongoing study of unidentified flying objects, mm-hmm. a.k.a. UFOs. This is all by this is this article is also by Nell um, Greenfield Boyce. That's a crazy last name. Nice. Um, that's the advice from a panel of outside advisors that urged NASA to use its scientific expertise as well as its existing and planned instruments that observe space and Earth to better gather data related to what's now often called unidentified anomalous phenomena, or UAP. We want to shift the conversation about UAPs from sensationalism to science, says NASA Administrator Bill Nelson, Mm. a former senator from Florida who once flew in the space shuttle Columbia, while emphasizing that, quote, the NASA independent study team did not find any evidence that UAP have extraterrestrial origin, Nelson noted that, quote, we don't know what these UAP are. The mission of NASA is to find out the unknown. NASA has actively looked for potential signs of life on 
other planets and moons in the solar system and beyond, but it hasn't traditionally spent much time thinking about quote-unquote little green men closer to home. (laughs) The new report offers a roadmap for how NASA could contribute to this area of research. The officials embraced the idea, announcing that the agency had created a new position, a director for UAP research, to help guide and coordinate NASA's efforts. And then, I mean, just to turn around and bounce off of that, because this is the cool part of science, and I want to wrap up the show with actual science. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Space.com, an article by Harry Baker, published 30 minutes ago. James Webb Space Telescope could detect life on Earth from across the galaxy, new study finds. Researchers have shown that if the James Webb Space Telescope was pointed at Earth from a distant star, it could detect signatures of intelligent life in our planet's atmosphere. The James Webb Space Telescope would be able to spot the signs of our civilization on Earth if it was spying on us from another star system in the Milky Way, a new study shows. The finding raises hopes that the -the state-of-the-art spacecraft could detect alien civilizations as it stares out towards distant worlds in our galaxy. Since launching in late 2021, JWST has been predominantly peering out into the deepest reaches of the cosmos in search of clues about how the early universe formed, which they found some really crazy stuff. Uh, Apparently the universe, there's a now new theory because of James Webb Space Telescope that the universe is not 13.1 billion years old, but more like 26.2 billion years old. Oh, and it's actually double the um, the amount of time that, that it is, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> it's just bonkers. But one of the telescope's secondary objectives is to analyze the atmospheres of nearby exoplanets or planets beyond the solar system to look for gases produced by bi- biological life known as biosignatures and chemicals produced by alien civilizations known as technosignatures. But despite being the most advanced telescope currently in operation, it is still unclear how well JWST will be able to spot the telltale sign of intelligent life. To answer this question, researchers decided to test whether the space telescopes successfully detect intelligent life from the only planet in the universe that is known to be both habitable and currently inhabited, Earth. In the new study uploaded to the preprint server Archive, which is uh, A-R capital X-I-V, um, Archive is a really great place where scientists can go and upload, um, they can upload studies and data quickly but they don't undergo a peer review so you have to take everything that you get on archive with a grain of salt okay but it's like pre-peer review kind of stuff that if you want to put an article out there you can um and then a bunch of scientists read it and then they provide their own peer reviews and critique of your information but it's an actual way to publish articles without peer review so take that with a grain of salt but like the mission of archive is to be very specific um and they do have moderators that say that doesn't fit our parameters and so they're kind of reviewed but there isn't like a panel of peers that read your article and give you feedback until after it's published so which is kind of the backwards way of how that goes Um, in the new study uploaded to the preprint server archive on august 28th researchers took a spectrum of earth's atmosphere and deliberately decreased the quality of the data to mimic how it would look to an observer dozens of light years away the teams then used a computer model which replicated jwst sensor capabilities to see if the spacecraft could detect the key biosignatures and technosignatures from the data set such as methane and oxygen produced by biological life and nitrogen dioxide and uh, chlorofluocarbons, (laughs) CFCs, which are produced by humans. The results, which have not yet been peer-reviewed, grain of salt, (laughs) show that JWST could likely detect all the key markers of non-intelligent and intelligent life in our planet's atmosphere. So that's cool. And, and, And again, transparency. This article goes all over the place to say, this isn't peer-reviewed, so take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. But if the initial findings are correct, that's really important. That's Mm -hmm. really important because now we can start pointing James Webb Space Telescope, if the data is correct, at other stars and see 
if the exoplanets around those stars have the same atmospheres Chemical that our as yeah ours. as our planet does, yeah. and if it does, whoa, you might be looking at let's go intelligent life. Let's go there. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, it it really wraps together the whole idea of life being out there. In any form, too. In, yeah. in really just like having the same chemical makeup and the beauty of that and being able to observe it. I think that's what is so, so cool about the things that we get to read about and, and learn about with space and science. Yep, very much so. Well, I think that's where we're probably going to wrap up today's episode of The Space Between. We're closing in on 10 episodes of the podcast. I need to double check my numbers here since we're all about numbers on this podcast. Yes, this is episode <laughs> number eight. Eight. So I, I'm in, I'm enjoying this. I hope you guys are too. Clearly you are Journey. because we still have a bunch of listeners when we aren't uploading. People are still listening, which I just think is super cool. I appreciate it. I mean, since, okay, since when I started this show, I said we had 1,339 listeners. We've already gained, we're up to 1,341 in the hour since I said that. Okay. So people <laughs> are listening to the show. You are listening to the show, which is just huge Thank to you. us. Yeah. Just thanks. Thanks all around. If you want to support us financially, you can through going to purchase your astronomical needs through High Point Scientific at the mm -hmm. link in our description. We're working on a Patreon page um, so that we can start taking some stuff and we'll have a little discord that you can get together with us and chat. And we've got we've got stuff planned in the near future to help us engage with you but uh, if you want to support us in any way you definitely can appreciate that if you want to reach out to us go and follow us on instagram at space between pod no spaces in between all of that <laughs> space between pod you can also send us an email at space between pod at outlook.com be like andrew be like Andrew and reach out to us because we enjoy listening and hearing from you. Appreciate you tuning in. My name is Colby Van Camp here with Dawson Wagner, and you've been listening to The Space Between. <laughs>